Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. I wanted to highlight uh, today I ran across uh, actually probably in an IGN article, maybe somebody's mm. article, <laughs> a game that sounds like it was ripped straight from our podcast. And I was very excited once I read it. It was a uh, it's called Shotgun Farmers and it's oh, wow. a competitive first person shooter game uh except all of your guns are like vegetables and plants and Mm. when you shoot at your opponent it works just like a regular gun but any bullet that misses plants itself into the ground and another gun will sprout presumably close (laughs) to your opponent because you're shooting at them so that's that's a really good risk reward i like that so it must be like every gun has limited ammo or something I guess it's just to discourage the kind of spray and pray gameplay style. You shared something recently on social media that um, was a big throwback to me and maybe a little bit feels like this game. The uh, old 90s kids game Crossfire. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And the commercial for that always had, it definitely had me and my younger brother singing, Crossfire, you got up in the... I think it was a favorite for a lot of people growing up. (laughs) Yeah, and so um, I love the idea of if, you know, just like in Crossfire, right, you shooting is kind of giving your opponent ammo, that always leads to sort of that that fun risk reward of, of running out of ammo and realizing that somebody else is holding all the cards because you weren't uh, cautious enough. All right, well, let's get started on our own video game pitches today. It's enough about board games for now. <laughs> what I want to pitch today is an overhead racing game uh, in the style of uh, like RC Pro-Am and uh, the type of racing game that we were actually talking about back on uh, Playwright 40, just a few episodes back with Overturn. Uh, But what I want to do today is a game where your car doesn't have any brakes, it's just always going at max speed, and you can't turn manually, but you do have mapped to one of your thumbsticks like a ninja rope, like you would get in a Worms game, or uh, or like in Just Cause, even better, like like a grapple hook that you can shoot out and attach to cars or to items or to the side of the track. Um, And that's how you would use that to turn, like use the track as a pivot point around this rope and then detach in time. And so everything that you're doing is just a physics interaction between this rope and your perpetually moving car. And so you have to steer yourself around the course and you have to hopefully steer your opponents into danger and disarray. So um, with that, we will start the clock. I love this. I love this. And one of the things I love about it is one of my favorite feelings recently in a video game was the uh, was SteamWorld Dig 2. And specifically mm, the sort of yeah. grappling hook uh, in that game and the way that uh, some of the challenges and puzzles required you to touch the ground as little as possible and and kind of 
whip I yourself around. I know exactly around. which one you're talking about. Oh man, isn't that a, <laughs> it's brutal? Uh, yeah. And I love and the then I, at the end they're like, "You didn't do it right. Do it again. <laughs> didn't do it just perfect." Um, yeah, they could have <laughs> reworked that a bit. Um, but I, I now I want to take that and and apply it to this racer of that feeling of, uh, you know, sort of free fall or or gravity physics kind of taking you and then having to. Um, maybe you have control over the direction of the sort of hook shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I love now you could have like U-turns instead of being this like slow way down thing of kind of pace slowing in a racing game. It's a way to whip yourself around and you could have really cool curvy tracks like that. As a power up, you can attach yourself to like a rocket that zooms past and maybe even the opponents, if they're uh, good enough shots, they can latch themselves onto you as well. So while you have that that bonus power up, you're kind of stringing a caravan of cars that aren't getting too far behind because uh, they came along for the ride as well. Yeah, that would be really cool. And I love the idea of of potentially there being like just totally S-shaped things where you're kind of throwing the, yeah. the hook over and over and over again and kind of whipping your way around a series of turns. It's like those uh, street signs that Pee Wee Herman comes up against in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the uh, the wildly curving streets. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And you could really give people sort of a crazy time by letting a, a hook hook on to the line of another player's hook. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you can kind of whip around somebody who's potentially whipping around and that's how you get like a, hmm. a better line or that's this game's version of like draft racing. Hmm. I guess you could also have like Mario Kart 64 style battle courses yeah, yeah, with various environmental hazards, but still the same rules apply to where the only way to navigate it is by hooking on to environmental objects or other players. And I like the idea of potentially maybe it doesn't uh, slow anyone else down, but uh, at the beginning of the race, in the same way in Mario Kart, people are counting down and waiting to hit the boost button, the go button. Um, you could have people trying to hook each other at the beginning of a race to try and get ahead. Yeah, <laughs> maybe there's some secret like the, the the stoplight comes down like in Mario Kart. And as it zooms back upwards, if you gra- grapple onto it at just the right moment, that... Uh, it zooming out of the course can kind of give you a little kick forward. Now you can put obstacles and stuff in the middle of a track and opposed to, you know, having to sort of deal with around it. It's, it's a potential speed opportunity as well. So if you can kind Mm -hmm. of hook these boulders or these obstacles in the middle of the track, you're kind of pulling yourself forward continuously. What if there was kind of like in overturn, which you talked about a a couple of weeks ago, the ability to reroute a track or or to pull something with your grapple that can like pulling down a tree like you would get in just cause or something like that where you can cause some sort of a damage that would force everyone else to go around it behind you. I like that and I know that maybe you were thinking of this as a top down but imagine if you put this in a sort of 3D space and you mm-hmm. had the same way that uh, I don't know if you ever did in Mario 64, you could kind of in one of the sliding levels, you can kind of jump off the slide at the right place and land on another piece of track. Um, and just imagine being able to sort of hurl yourself upward 
uh, by casting this uh, thing. Maybe you kind of go into a, a third person shooter aiming mode uh, and you can cast this uh, hook shot in, in any direction you, you choose, even like propelling yourself over potential people who are on the track. This could be really exciting in a 3D type of environment as like a spy hunter type of game. Yeah. It's less about navigating a course and more about that vehicular combat and um, pulling yourself into other cars like burnout style. I think if we want to think about this as a 3D game, I'd imagine uh, it would control a lot like a like a Ridge Racer that's very drift heavy. And uh, even thinking about more drifty racing games, if we're uh, thinking about overhead racing again, uh, then there's another game called Absolute Drift, which is, um, I mean, a lot like it sounds, it's a very kind of minimalist art style and you're just this car that uh, almost feels like it's uh, driving on ice rather than drifting. But um, once you get used to it, you are sent through all of these drifting obstacle courses and challenges to uh, kind of navigate your drifts through these different objects, but you never feel like you're fully in control. Um, now, of course, this would handle very differently because you don't have the manual convenience of steering or slowing down, but uh, it's a similar type of challenge. Yeah, one of the things that I really like the idea of the hookshot of again going back to that risk reward sort of feeling is the idea of if you kind of engage the hook for too long you're going to kind of slingshot yourself into the side of the track or something right so like the bounds of the track and maybe yeah exactly it's a game (laughs) that is really about the mayhem and chaos of people exploding over and over again as they're missing these hooks and that you know if it is a little bit more like absolute drift and a little floatier or or maybe more difficult to control less pinpoint then you could have a lot of people bumping into each other and uh having momentum kind of reversed for them uh that could be really cool because you then it's all about timing your connections and and your connection points right just like any drifting base games like Ridge Racer or Absolute Drift, the challenge comes from uh, not necessarily initiating the drift, but learning when to disengage and yes. uh, kind of plotting out the arc of your turn all in your head. And so I'd imagine that a base level gameplay be fairly slow by racing game standards, more kind of like bumper car speed. Yeah. Uh, and so you can really kind of see these circular arcs in your head and maybe there's even little guides along the track for the early stages to help people along but uh, you can turn up the speed just like in mario kart and and get to be just about regular racing game speeds and you know it would just feel so good to know exactly when to uh when to flick that stick and when to when to shoot your grapple hook out and um yeah it would just it would be exciting i think <laughs> i i totally agree and i think that you could pull in that need for speed-esque scoring system where you're getting more points if your car is more sideways right uh yeah. <laughs> so when you when you start scoring like that it incentivizes somebody to kind of be hooking onto surfaces to turn their car uh, or keep their car sideways for longer stretches of time. Be neat if you can even do tricks like a complete 360 circle, like your car kind of drifting or uh, spinning out in place, but in control still. 
But uh, that's that's probably very advanced play right there. <laughs> yeah, or if whipping yourself around one of these uh, hooked objects, you could kind of send yourself spinning, but also forward, right? So yeah. you kind of have your momentum is continuing, but you're you're really out of control at that point. But that's where that that reward comes into play. There's a scene in. Uh, Johnny English, the Rowan Atkinson, a kind of James Bond parody yeah. where he plays a secret agent and it's a very silly movie. I enjoy it just because I like Rowan Atkinson, but I'd say for most movie audiences, <laughs> it's probably fairly unremarkable, Yeah, but there's a scene where he's uh, stealing a car that is attached to the back of a tow truck and he disengages from the tow truck uh, by reversing and then does a really smooth turnaround and keeping his momentum, his backwards momentum, uh, turns the car and then zooms off forwards in the opposite direction. And I was just always super impressed by like, wow, that stunt driver got that stunt exactly right. Like that was a smooth turn. That looks so cool. Just in this, uh, in a random British comedy movie, they got a really good car stunt in there and just stuck with me over the years. You know, we're going to get a chance to get a new one of those as Johnny English 3 trailer just dropped. Really? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that wild? Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Let's don't see if ever the car say, stunts hold up. Yeah, I know. Don't ever say that we don't deliver news on this show <laughs> with <laughs> video game ideas. All right. Well, that's all the time that we have there. So now we need to come up with a name for this one. I didn't have one beforehand. And this always puts us in this position. <laughs> what kind of uh, what kind of words can we work with here? I'm thinking it's gonna be cheesy, sort of gone in sixty seconds, pushing things. You know, yeah, you gotta get to take it to the limit. Gotta walk along the razor's razor's edge. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now we gotta get the we gotta get like the rope mechanic or something in there. What if we say like to to the wire or at the wire or something? To the wire is nice. That has uh, that's a dual meaning. Because you are using a wire and you're also, uh, everything is coming down to the wire. That means like to the last few seconds of the race. I like that. Beautiful. That can be our title. We always end up coming up with something. All right. To the wire. That is the sequel to To the Moon. Yeah. Takes it in a very different direction. Very, very different. What is your pitch for us today? H, I've got something maybe a little strange, but let's work through it. You are a team of intergalactic firefighters who travel to all sorts of different planets with different levels of chemicals in the atmosphere Mm, and physics uh, and gravity and all this kind of crazy stuff, maybe different materials, different fluids to put out fires that you have access to. And you are literally just going around and dealing with all the sort of spontaneous situations that can break out when fighting a fire, (laughs) but in space. (laughs) So that's my pitch. Okay, cool. Starting the clock there. I like this because it has, I guess the way that I picture it is that the primary challenge would come from determining the like chemical roots of each of these fires. Mm. And based on that, you put them out in different ways using different types of chemicals that you would carry with you. And so it kind of combines a couple of my favorite things. One being like on TV shows, like the super smart chemistry professor who is able to look at a fire burning in a certain color and smell the smoke and be able to tell you exactly what's in it. And, you know, what to do with it and, and, you know, obviously just showing off for all of the students and everything. But I always thought that that was really cool. And then also 
the like witch or wizard character who always knows for any purpose what types of ingredients to combine into this potion uh, <laughs> to solve whatever is uh, impeding them. And so I think it'd be fun to, to kind of learn as you go, to go from planet to planet, to observe the composition of the atmosphere, to observe the color of the fire and the, the materials that are burning and mm. use that to yeah. kind of deduce like what is it that this fire needs to be extinguished. Right. If you go into one building and you see, you know, like metal or something burning, you're like, okay, that's actually hotter uh, mm. than typical fire. So I, one of the because reasons we all know that jet fuel can't burn <laughs> hot enough to melt steel. No, no, it can't. You look at the websites. All the evidence is there. <laughs> we have the answers uh, <laughs> right in front of us. Uh, speaking of completely asinine silliness. Um, <laughs> One of the things that kind of makes me smile thinking about this is dealing with putting out one of those, uh, you know, fires are semi-serious business. Um, so the Semi. idea of adding in, in California, like, they're very serious. Business. They're very serious out here. Yeah. Um, dealing with this sort of Mario, uh, Mario Odyssey moon physics. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, cause you go to a place and it's got lower gravity and what, what would that do to fire, you know, I think there's been sci-fi movies and stuff that kind of depict fire in space looking more like liquid. Mm. Um, so the idea of, you know, fire as opposed to like climbing up uh, beams and walls, the idea of it starting to float just in, in globs in the middle of a hallway and what is fighting that kind of fire look like. It would also be fun if the hose interacted differently with you in different environments so like a super uh high gravity situation you'd really have to crank the pressure all the way up to get even the littlest dribble of water coming out of it or in a really low gravity situation the hose would like propel you all over this world and you're kind of <laughs> flying like a three stooges routine or like the uh outer space scene in wally yeah yeah absolutely and and then when you uh, and maybe even you can send a command to the fire truck, right? Because these things have limited range. You're hooked up to a, a tank and, and water. So maybe you have to be like, oh, you know, the fire spread to this other side of the building. I need to go get down to the truck or tell the truck hmm. to pull around to another side. So I have more rope to do my job. Rope. Would that be? Oh, sorry. Hose. More hose. hose. Case? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, I started thinking about like all the kind of not collectibles, but I think like suit and equipment upgrades you could unlock over a, a journey, you know, advanced firefighter tech as well as, you know, different sort of space suits that look increasingly more exotic as you level up and mm. become more renowned as a firefighter. I was like monster hunter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> How can you tell I've spent too many hours with that game lately? <laughs> So you were saying that the fire can look different on different worlds. I'm undecided whether it would be more fun to have like red herring fires, things that aren't actually fires that you might have to like determine between three or four things like, okay, which one's a fire and which one's just a citizen of this weird alien world um, and not spray the wrong thing. <laughs> but I, again, I don't know because that kind of like, it might take some of the some of the <laughs> urgency away from the actual like core of the game, but I don't know. I mean, I could go either way on that. 
Yeah, I think that if you were going to keep it pure firefighting, then uh, some of the things that you could introduce as complications is, you know, firefighters are always dealing with uh, if uh, if a room is sealed off uh, or -hmm. if there are people there, like how to evacuate and save people, um, as well as if you're in a building that's being destroyed, what things are safe to walk on? What is structurally sound? What is going to collapse on you? Um, and maybe even there's an, you know, it's easy to always just reference Dark Souls, but maybe there's a Soulsian aspect of, you know, learning over and over again, which parts of the level will collapse, what parts are safe, um, or like all of the level could potentially be dangerous and learning to have like visual cues and tells as to, you know, what's safe to navigate. And then of course, if you can only get a tiny little dribble out of your uh, hose, why can't I remember the word hose? It's, it's not good. Um, if you can only, you know, not get enough water pressure out of that thing uh, and the fire is far away or it's on the other side of something that you're not allowed to travel to, figuring out how to deliver uh, the suppressant over there would be really important. Yeah. So you're seeing this as like a very realistic game where you have to worry about the structural integrity of the buildings that you're in and stuff like that. Is that right? Or is this more of a, like a puzzler? Yeah, I think it's a lot more of a puzzler. Like in my mind, aesthetically, it probably feels a little bit like, um, if you could t- play overcooked in a gears of war okay. perspective, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, so like third person, <laughs> uh, aiming hose kind of, uh, shooting and, but you know, everything a little bit sort of chibi and maybe there's some, you know, time limits and stuff to kind of keep the pacing fast. But of course the, um, the story would be more like gears of war. So. <laughs> of course. Burly men. And that could actually be quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be great. And, and especially if you, if you introduce the idea of time and time limiting and every level has, you know, sort of citizens or, you know, uh, people appearing that you need to save throughout it and different problem areas that are erupting throughout, then you can replay the levels a bunch of times until you're able to get like the, you know, five star run of a level. Um, and of course, like as you travel from planet to planet in that kind of zoomed out, uh, overcooked like map, uh, then, you know, you're finding yourself in all those different levels and situations. So you can theme, you know, several different levels based off of a single planet or galaxy or something like that. All these characters could be the kind of typical generic gruff space marine type of firefighters. But when you beat a level, depending on how quickly you beat it, kind of like uh, the Metroid games, you get like firefighter calendars at the end of each level and <laughs> yeah. they are in uh, various states of sexiness depending on how quickly you beat it <laughs> yeah so you kind of get a little dream dad dream daddy in there <laughs> as well just some nice burly guys but I, I a lot of them have to be smoking cigars i think that that's like a, a big thing okay so one of the impetus of this like being able to swap up physics and all this stuff is i've really been so intrigued to think about what firefighting would look like if to one planet fire was ice you know like okay. <laughs> could you introduce you know not only can you spray uh you know suppressant or water on stuff but you could potentially spray other things that you wouldn't think necessarily a firefighter would need but as you go to these planets 
um, it's useful or you need to purposely collapse a part of a building or purposely destroy mm. a door um, to kind of get into to an area. Um, and maybe you need to do that with fire, you know, the kind of controlled burn sort of stuff. Mm, okay. Maybe on some of these planets, the fire is sentient and like trying to convince you not to put it out. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Turn the, turn the fire into a, a Kirby ish boss. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. I like that. Anyways, that's the time on that one. Uh, do you come in with a name? I don't. I really don't. I, I want to trick you into calling it Hose in Space. <laughs> <laughs> we can call it Hose in Space if you want. Yeah, let's get that SEO. I think SEL. that the right message. Yeah, of course. Of course. Because <laughs> uh, just like Nate Dog says, we've got our hose in different area codes. Mm-hmm. And in this case, intergalactic area codes. Intergalactic area codes. And now we are coming into this with a listener correspondence. And this one's a little bit different on... This week's, as of recording anyway, I guess it will be last week's, uh, by the time this is released, issue of Kane and Rince, Leon specifically gave us a shout out at the end of that episode. That oh, one is wow. on Rampage, if you want to look that up. Um, they were talking about, uh, would it be neat if there was like a procedurally generated Rampage type game? Basically, let's just work on that. He, he said that, uh, you know, it'd be fun to see what the playwright guys say about it. So that's us. Let's do that. Leon Cox's roguelike Rampage game. So, do you know what Rampage is? I do. and uh, Other than a hit motion picture. I was going to say the Rampage I know does not feature uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you're kind of... What is the basic story? You're a guy, you're multiple people that transformed into giant animals, and you're right. punching out a bunch of buildings, right? Yeah, it's a uh, side-on view of this cityscape, and you kind of play these giant monster King Kong or Godzilla-sized creatures climbing up buildings, punching in the walls, eating humans, and knocking down the buildings, and just making a mess of the place. And so the, I guess our uh, prerogative is to make it roguelike, so, you know, randomize some elements of placement and and buildings and everything like that but also let's try to modernize the formula and bring a few new elements into it and see what we can uh, extract so one of the things i would like to see um that i i can't believe i'm saying this i think the movie is trying to uh suggest this um is the idea of potentially the animals being able to grow larger and larger perhaps mm, throughout okay. a, a single run um, maybe you start off kind of destroying just kind of cars and mailboxes and, you know, kind of pedestrian level things. And as you grow larger and larger, you're able to eventually take out buildings like you do in the original Rampage. Yeah, I like that. It has kind of a Katamari flavor to it. Yeah, I was going to say. Like the final say. level of any Katamari game. <laughs> right. Eventually, you're like stomping out the world, right? <laughs> yeah. And like knocking down the moon and satellites and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. I like also this tension of being able to, not being able to, but uh, the risk of turning into a human. Uh, in the previous Rampage games, when you would die, you would transform back into a human, uh, typically a naked human, and kind of shuffle off the screen embarrassedly. 
uh, because <laughs> yeah. of the story. You know, you were transformed into these giant kaiju monsters. Well, and also no pants. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so maybe there is some sort of a, maybe there's more that could be done with that. Maybe there's a, like a final last ditch effort that you can employ as a human to transform back into a monster by, I don't know, collecting something or, or getting yourself to a certain place. And if this was a competitive type game, then the other player could use that opportunity to try to eat you. And then that's like the ultimate win condition for them. It's like, there's no more competition. I am the only monster left. What if you applied some sort of Grand Theft Auto-esque mechanics to it where sort of the more rampage you're you're causing or the more rampage you're on uh-huh. uh then you know more police are being attracted the authorities are you know getting increasingly militarized and eventually there's you know jets and all this kind of crazy stuff attacking you and if you are if you go down to the point of almost dying you shrink into being a human and you're kind of in like just a a very pedestrian foot race with police Right. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And so then you have to, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of crazy, like there's labs or something that if you can reach one of the labs and get more of the rampage virus, uh, you can turn yourself back into the animal and you kind of have to start again. Right. So if you're growing bigger and bigger, maybe the more damage you take, the more you're kind of shrinking back down and, and the world is pushing back against you. There could be these buildings that are designated as labs, or they can be these little kind of containment centers uh, sprinkled all throughout the course. And so if either you or your opponent are shrunk back to a human, you can try to find one of those centers to turn back into a monster. And so if you feel pretty confident that you're going to win this matchup, you can stomp out all of the science centers in the area. But you are also removing your only chance of of revitalizing yourself if you are defeated. Depending on the science center that you get to, or depending on maybe you're able to just find infected animals or something, you break into a particular Mm -hmm. lab type. And instead of becoming any one of the monsters, you can become any one of the three monsters. And so that way you could have potentially multiple runs where you're switching between sort of builds and ability sets. Um, You know, of course it'd be very simplified uh, just to kind of keep it, you know, fun and easy to understand. But the idea of being able to go from the sort of gorilla to the wolf to the, Mm -hmm. what is it? Crocodile lizard lizard thing. Yeah. Um, all in all in the totality of like one full run of the game could be really cool. It could it could be like on a spelunky time scale too. It doesn't have to be super long. Yeah, so one thing about making this a roguelike that would be kind of interesting is having binding of Isaac like power-ups along the way as well that can like really change the way that your monster behaves and acts and the different powers that you have. If we want to keep this competitive between two or three players, then having these all throughout the course may be triggered by completing certain objectives or maybe entering the course randomly like Smash Bros. And I think a a wide open city would be beneficial for this type of thing. And you're you're trying to hunt out these power-ups to become more powerful while also trying to battle the monsters around you and the army as they're flown in. I think they'd be a little bit less effective in this game because your primary threat would probably be the other players 
But I was also thinking maybe if we could transition between the traditional Rampage 2D style and like a 3D city environment. And there could be certain events that happen in the game that trigger a phase shift, like in a Pokin tournament, that transforms it from a 3D to a 2D game. And then you play the traditional Rampage, but it would control more or less the same in both areas. You can climb buildings, you can punch buildings down. Uh, You could even use a... Uh, the physics could be a little bit more advanced. So if you punch out the bottom floors of just one side of a building, then you can get it to fall in a certain direction and oh, maybe use cool. that to your advantage. What if you, uh, let's reference the uh, hit game Evolve. Uh, <laughs> and yes. one of the things that I think was interesting about Evolve, but obviously didn't work for for different reasons, is the idea of the monster's loop is to kind of go around and hunt and eat different animals so that it can kind of grow mm-hmm. to full strength. So if every map, all three, there was just a three player versus right. Three players drop into a map, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, actually stop me a hundred monsters parachute onto an island. Okay. No, just, <laughs> uh, uh, no. So three players drop into the map and you are causing destruction in kind of eating people and blowing up buildings just to grow and power up and get stronger, stronger, stronger. But then you do enter a sort of melee, you know, kind of combat style with the other monsters of the world. So really it's, it's a last monster standing. And of course you can, Mm. you know, if you're able to take down those, you know, a tank or a helicopter, that's, what's going to give you big points and help you, you know, get further to your goal. And then eventually, you know, you're grabbing chunks of buildings and, and throwing them at the other monsters, right. Battling each other with full signs and, and uh, helicopters and stuff. Okay, here we go. Here's, I think this makes sense, is if, uh, let's start this off as a 3D game, giant open city that you can stomp around in, and you start off relatively small, not small, small, but, you know, small enough to where you can't be seen over the buildings, and you can't see over the buildings, and so the chances that you're going to run into the other two players who are somewhere around here are relatively slim. And so you can uh, climb the buildings and maybe they're climbing at the same time and you can kind of see over the forest of buildings, the other monsters potentially, or dust clouds that would indicate where they are. As you take down army or as you eat civilians or as you knock down buildings or take down helicopters, you're growing and growing and growing, which has the plus effect of making you more powerful, but the negative effect of making you more prominent and more visible to the other monsters so they can right. uh, they can see you and they can hunt you down a little bit more effectively. Yeah, if you're way more ahead, they can kind of come after you. Yeah, and then anytime there's two monsters that are within proximity of each other, it kind of initiates a 2D battle mode. Maybe we keep it in 3D. I don't know. I'm I'm undecided on that. <laughs> sure. Uh, but, you know, at that point, the monsters can face off against each other. And whoever has the, the best power-ups or whoever ate the most and is the largest has the advantage. But maybe the smaller monster can climb up on that monster like it was a building and start punching away. And that one <laughs> would try to shake it off like Shadow of the Colossus or 
or try to rub it off against a building or something like that. Yeah, especially like if at the end of this game, it feels like a Godzilla movie, right? Of these two massive monsters that are just just wrecking shop. I like that idea of it goes from the sort of evolve, leaping around, destroying things as a monster to a maybe for honor-esque sort of big yeah. <laughs> kaiju battle system, uh, obviously changing the scales, right, <laughs> to, to look appropriate. Yeah, and then, of course, it's it's Last Monster Standing, and, of course, the one of the best victories you can have outside of, obviously, being Last One Standing is defeating another player monster before mm. the third person has a chance to kind of get all the way powered up because you'd get some sort of bonus for having defeated yeah. one of the players. And when you go into the, you know, it's just you and someone else uh, in that final battle. That, uh, that's really cool. And I feel like we're getting on a, a really good um, momentum here, but that's all the time that we have on that ah. one. <laughs> Everybody go listen to Kane and Rince this this past (laughs) week to the Rampage uh, episode. We should plug that. The Rampage episode was really interesting. That one went up on the 9th of April. And so go and check that one out. It's in your feed right now if you're subscribed to Kane and Rince, which I would recommend if you're not. Presumably you would be part of the Rampage series, but let's come up with a subtitle. Something that fits on their world tour or universal tour uh, type of format, maybe. Man, I wonder if... We could do a, a full homage to the game that I was, uh, pun intended, aping. Rampage <laughs> Evolved. Okay. Yeah, Rampage Evolved. That has like a nice uh, ring to it, like those reinventions of games that are often put, like reinventions of arcade games that are often put on XBLA or PSN. Oh, yeah, like Championship Edition Pac-Man or, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, Bionic Commando Remastered. I guess we don't call it Xbox Live Arcade anymore, do we? We just call it uh, the Xbox uh, Store. Uh, I, it'll yeah. always be XBLA to me. They had a brand there. <laughs> uh, did away with that. That was our community submission for the day. And uh, it's a little bit different this week because it didn't come from one of our regular sources, but that's okay. There are plenty of ways to get in contact with us. You can mention us on a podcast. That's a great way to get in contact with us. We would highly recommend that. You can go to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch, or you can uh, tweet us at playwrightcast or email us playwrightcast at gmail.com. That is P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T. Yeah. And while you're hunting around and subscribing to every podcast in the world to find out if they're mentioning us uh you can go over to playwrightcast.com uh and link to our theme song hello world it's by protodome off the album blue noise it's very good chiptune music and it's it's great to listen to while you like work during the day i don't know about you but i can't listen to like lyric stuff Mm, while i work so i you know i put on stuff like protodome and it and it makes the day go faster yeah that's a good way to do it To take us out of the show today, I'm going to drop us a mini idea, and this one has to do with the shepherding a group of origami animals to a desired destination using only a paper fan. That's always annoying, right? (laughs) That's nice. We'll see you next week. Bye.